0: This podcast is made possible by Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield, the whole health company.
1: Welcome to Go Bronx Podcast, Episode 21. Today, we're recording from the basement of the historic Van
0: Cortlandt House Museum. I'm Olga Luce. And I'm Angel. In this episode, we will talk about some lost towns and villages of the Bronx.
1: The area we now call The Bronx was once part of Westchester County. Before New York County annexed the area west of the Bronx River in 1874, then the area east of the river in 1895, there were many small towns and villages that once thrived but were completely wiped off the map by the time the city's borough consolidation took place in 1898.
0: Some town names survived through the ages, such as the towns of Kingsbridge, Westchester, and West Farms. Even some villages that were located within these towns are now Bronx communities, yet some were forgotten as well. Let us start with the village of Lower Yonkers, located in the town of Kingsbridge, which was only a town for two years before it was absorbed into New York County in 1874. The town of Kingsbridge was once a village located within the town of Yonkers. Its name derives from an actual bridge that once spanned over the Spite and Dival Creek in the upper west section of the borough. It was constructed by Frederick Phillips in the 1690s and is believed to be the very first bridge to connect Manhattan Island to the mainland. When the town of Kingsbridge finally gained township in 1872, there were small villages located within its boundaries. The villages of Kingsbridge, Riverdale, and Spite and Dival have transformed in communities today and their names still grace Bronx maps and street signs. But one village located in the town of Kingsbridge was long forgotten in the borough's contemporary history, the village of Lower Yonkers. We all learned in Bronx History
1: 101 that the city of Yonkers was named after the Dutch Jonkir or Young Lord, Adrian Cornelison van der Danck. The word Junkier had evolved with the English usage of it that it finally became the name we all recognize today. But some may wonder why this part of the Bronx was once a locality located in the town of Yonkers at one time. Well, according to various historic sources, the original house of Van Der was located in the vicinity of the Van Cortlandt House Museum, located in Van Cortlandt Park, where we're recording from as we speak. This section was once part of the ancient village of Kolendonk, or Donk's Colony, that once stretched approximately 12 miles north from what is now Marble Hill, near the Spuyten dival Creek. While some historians have debated about the exact location where Van Der Donk's homestead was situated, they all agree that it was definitely located in the confines of the park, which is now part of the Bronx. When the town of Kingsbridge was finally incorporated into New York County in 1874, the village of South Yonkers vanished, and is now roughly the areas that includes Van Cortlandt Park and the communities closely surrounding it.
0: Let's travel south to the larger town of Morrisania, which comprised almost all of the South Bronx, from the East River to roughly East 172nd Street. The name derives from the ancient manor of Morrisania, in which we would find a historic family legacy with the likes of Gouverneur Morris, you know, G. Moe, penman of the Constitution, and author of the We the People preamble, mentioned in Episode 2, and his half-brother Louis Morris, who was also a signer of the Declaration of Independence. But the area did not fully populate until after the 1840s, when Governor Morris Jr. began to sell land to various developers and enterprises of different industries. In addition, the extension of the Harlem Railroad from Manhattan into Morrisania created some buzz, since the areas surrounding the railroad stations began to develop, from these land purchases we see for the very first time the appearances of villages called Modhaven, Melrose, Port Morris, East Morrisania, and others. The village of Morrisania, created in eighteen fifty-five, soon became the epicenter of the town of Morrisania.
1: The names Melrose, Port Morris, and Modhaven are now attached to some of the South Bronx's thriving communities today. Yet, there were other villages that didn't make the cut. Let's take the village of Highbridgeville, for example. When the landmark Highbridge was being constructed in the early 1840s, it was considered one of the largest public projects at the time. In the mid-19th century, our nation began to receive a large number of Irish immigrants, with New York City being a major destination. They soon became the city's workforce, and in what we now call the Bronx, the Irish became the principal builders for the area's railroad tracks and stations, education and religious institutions such as St. Raymond's Church and Fordham University, and of course, the Croton Aqueduct and the High Bridge. Many of these Irish immigrants came from the lower regions of New York City to work in the Bronx, where we saw over 2,000 working in shafts and ditches of the Croton Aqueduct and at the High Bridge. By 1848, a small village began to coalesce in the immediate shadows of the newly constructed High Bridge, which sat just to the south of it on the Bronx side. Some local lore tells us that this neighborhood was quite dangerous, so much so that the locals who lived nearby called it Dangerville. How creative of them. Highbridgeville no longer exists, as it is now a hill of trees, with an old police precinct dating back to the early 20th century sitting below.
0: Olga, here are some other villages in the town of Morrisania that no longer exist. Eltoona was a village founded by developer Robert Elton, which was located between 3rd and Prospect Avenues and East 163rd and East 165th Streets. It was a picturesque village with beautiful residences and small estates. Elton Avenue serves as a reminder of this bygone neighborhood. The village of Woodstock, or formerly known as Shingle Plain in the 18th century, was located between present-day East 165th Street and Forest Avenue. In the 1850s, it was centered around Jackson Avenue and East 163rd Street. It was one of the villages laid out by surveyor Andrew Finlay, who was of Scottish descent and was an avid fan of the works of Sir Walter Scott. Within his works, Scott had penned a novel called Woodstock, and mentioned Melrose Abbey and other works, hence the name of the village of Melrose, which was also laid out by Finlay. Today, a Woodstock library still operates on East 160th Street. Bensonia was a village established in the 1850s and was located near St. Anne's and Westchester Avenues, stretching north to East 160th Street. It was named after Benjamin Benson, a landowner who made the purchase from Governor Morris, Jr., Bensonia, mentioned in Episode 18, was established just south of the village where many of the Sons of Liberty were interred. After 1868, the cemetery was no longer in use, and by the 1890s, some of the remaining graves were removed and reinterred at nearby Woodlawn Cemetery. My old high school, South Bronx High School, is located on that same plot of land where Bensonia was once located.
1: What about the village of Claremont? Dating back to 1852, it takes its name from a local estate owned by the Zabrowski family. Their mansion and its immediate holdings later became Claremont Park, with the house being used as Parks Department facility. Here's another, the village of Wilton. It was located east of present-day St. Mary's Park that was on the map by 1857. It was a quaint community with small estates and tennis courts, which you didn't see much of in those days. According to local historians, many thespians and other types of artistes lived there. Because of this, it was nicknamed Acterville. I mean, seriously, they
0: weren't very creative in the 19th century. <laughs> Let us now travel north to the old town of West Farms, which at one time consisted almost all of the Bronx, west of the Bronx River, until annexation to New York occurred in 1874. West Farms gained its name in the 1660s when English settlers from the village of Westchester began to establish their farms west of the Bronx River. The village exponentially grew with the bustle of commerce and industry along the banks of the Bronx River. When British and other European imports were halted due to the effects of the War of 1812, local manufacturers began to produce an array of goods ranging from pottery, paint, and glass. One potter named Elijah Cornell used the current of the Bronx River to power his mill. His son Ezra went on to establish a New England university of the same family name, which is today's Cornell University. The Bronx's very first newspaper, the Westchester Patriot, was also created at West Farms, where the editor in 1813 was a gentleman named Matthias Lopez, marking the very first time a Hispanic surname was recorded in Bronx history. Matthias was most likely a Sephardic Jew. Angel, don't
1: forget that the advent of the Harlem Railroad extension into the Bronx in the 1840s also helped to increase the population size of West Farms as well. During its era of expansion, the village of West Farms gradually became so prominent that in 1846, an act of the New York State Legislature separated the village from the town of Westchester and made it into a town of its own. By then, the town of West Farms held several villages within it, including those whose names are still familiar to us, like the villages of Fordham, Tremont, Williamsbridge, Fairmont, and some parts of the Claremont village as well. Many of these villages coalesced around the train stations of the Harlem Railroad, which was extended into the area in the 1840s. West Farms also still held the ancient manor of Fordham, which was founded by Dutchman John Archer. After establishing the village of Fordham in 1668, he then had his estate converted to a manor in which he established a court and presided over its cases, especially from those of his complaining land tenants. This guy is perhaps the earliest documented slumlord
0: in Bronx history. The town of West Farms had other villages that we no longer see today on our maps. For example, the village of Adamsville sat just west of present-day Belmont, with its center at Webster and 3rd Avenues, just below Fordham Road. It was surveyed by Andrew Findlay in 1853, yet the origins of its name remain to be unknown. Looking at a 1868 map of West Farms, one would make out an estate owned by A.J. Adams, near Adams Street. Who knows?
1: This is great stuff, but let's uh, take a commercial break. The world has changed a lot in the last year, and more than ever, you need health insurance you can rely on. Empire Blue Cross Blue Shield is the whole health company, and that means they are dedicated to improving the health and well-being of everyone in the Bronx and throughout the New York service area. They've been supporting the health of Bronxites for 86 years, providing you access to high-quality, affordable care. To learn how you can make a whole health connection, go to empireblue.com. Sigourney Weaver here to tell you about the New York Botanical Garden, 250 acres, 1 million plants, and you. Now open in the Bronx. Plan your visit at
0: nybg.org. City Bike is expanding to the Bronx. Membership is only $179 annually. New Yorkers who live in NYCHA or receive SNAP benefits can take advantage of the discounted City Bike membership for only $5 a month. Visit citybikenyc.com slash pricing to get started.
1: So the town of Westchester was the last town to be annexed to New York County in 1895. It was named in honor of the town of Chester in England as it laid west of it and also west of the New England colonies. Starting off as a Dutch outpost in the Vriedland part of New Netherland, in which they called Oostdorp, meaning East Town, since it sat east of New Amsterdam, the English soon conquered the land and renamed Westchester in the 1660s. Over 20 years later, it became a borough town, and eventually the county seat of Westchester.
0: Within the confines of the town of Westchester, you would find some familiar names attached to its villages as you do with other old towns of the Bronx. The villages of Throgs Neck, Olinville, Unionport, Wakefield, Classen Point, Zaregas Point, and Bronxdale still rings bells and are attached to some present street names, communities, and housing developments. Yet, the other villages of Centerville, Connersville, and Schuylerville did not make the memory bank for present Bronxites.
1: Centerville was a small and quaint settlement founded in the late 1830s, with its epicenter at the intersection of Castle Hill and Westchester Avenues. The Centerville African Methodist Episcopal Church and its graveyard, founded in 1855, once stood near Olmsted Avenue and Unionport Road. The village may have been one of the Bronx's earliest free black communities. The church, along with the rest of the community, vanished by the turn of the 20th century. Connorsville was another village located near East Chester Road, just north of Pelham Parkway. It, too, poof, disappeared by the turn of the 20th century.
0: The village of Schuylerville was located at today's East Tremont Avenue and Bruckner Boulevard. It dates back to the 1840s, and just like Highbridgeville, it was established by Irish laborers who worked on Fort Schuyler and the estates nearby. When we
1: come back, let's discuss the origins of villages whose names we recognize today. Get it, baby, get it! And now for a little segment we like to call Yo Angel. Yo Olga! There are some exclusive communities in the Bronx that have been around for many years. One of these communities that always attracted my attention is Country Club in the Pelham Bay section of the Bronx. Tell us about that, Ange.
0: Well, the idea of country clubs started with international polo star and successful businessman James Montonover or Monty, Waterbury. During the autumn season of 1883, from his home he named Plaisance, located in what is now Pelham Bay Park, good old Monty contacted his rich and affluent friends to organize a golf club in Westchester County. They would name it Country Club at Pelham, not to be confused with the other Westchester Country Club. Monty became its very first president. The club soon became a place where all country sports could be enjoyed by the membership, which ranged from $75 to $100 a year. That's the equivalent to roughly $1,900 to $2,500 today. Soon after that, the new club occupied the old Oakshade Mansion nearby. It was an era where several historic mansions still occupied land that will one day become part of the largest park in New York City. Oakshade was built by James Augustus Seidem in the late 1840s. He lived there with his sister, Letitia, and was a celebrated painter, lawyer, and architect. In 1865, he dies, and Dr. Richard Lewis Morris, grandson of the signer Lewis Morris of Morrisania, purchased the house and lived there until his death in 1880. By 1884, the new country club at Pelham commenced with their operations in converting the Oakshade Mansion, with its 34-acre property, into the club's headquarters and laid out a steeplechase course on the north side of today's Shore Road, opposite the club's headquarters. Four years later, the club expanded their polo grounds on the site that will become Split Rock Golf Course. Unfortunately for them, it was the time when the New York Parks Association achieved the New Parks Act of 1884 through state legislation to acquire land to create six parks and three parkways. The city soon turned to acquire land that would now become Pelham Bay Park, forcing the Country Club of Pelham to move their entire operation south of the park. They first occupied the old Vantwerp Mansion Then later on, built a brand new clubhouse and created the Country Club Land Association. It was a real estate venture that eventually outlived the operations of the Country Club itself. Today, the area is now part of the Bronx, and although there aren't any polo matches, you can still enjoy the exclusivity of that living community.
1: And now you know. Many Bronxites wonder the meanings of the names that grace our street signs and neighborhoods. One that always piqued my interest was Fordham Road. Where did the word Fordham come from?
0: Fordham earns its name from an area near West 230th Street on the Harlem River. Early colonists referred to it as the Waiting Place. English settlers called it the Ford, as you were able to cross over to Spite and Dival at low tide. As time progressed, more colonists worked the land and made the ground stable enough to build a the settlement. Therefore it was named Fordham because in Old English the suffix ham refers to a farmstead. It was a farmstead on the Ford. Spiten Divel means either spitting or spraying devil in Dutch, which was really the case for that troubled body of water. Since the early days of Dutch New York, this waterway was so difficult to navigate since strong double currents caused by its nearby land features were apparent. The problem was finally rectified when the U.S. ship canal was cut through the lower neighborhood of Marble Hill, thus making a straight passage from the Harlem River to the Hudson River.
1: Mott Haven, that popular neighborhood in the southernmost tip of the Bronx, was founded by English industrialist Jordan L. Mott. Originally part of the ancient Morrisania estate, Mott purchased the land from Gouverneur Morris, Jr. around 1853. At the young age of 15, Mott invented a machine for weaving tape. As a small grocery shop owner on Water Street in Manhattan, he invented the base burner stove. The shop eventually became a foundry, and after several years of growth, Mott finally expanded his foundry on the old Morrisania
0: estate, which would survive into the turn of the 20th century. Tremont was named by postmaster Hiram Tarbox. He lived in the vicinity of three hills, Mount Hope, Fairmont, and Mount Eden. It was employed to attract more developers to the area, Tremont. Interestingly, Tremont Street in Boston gets its name because of a hill that once had three peaks. Early settlers called that section of the city Tremontaine. Riverdale, well, it was plainly named after a dale, or a wide valley, located by the Hudson River. Thus, it was named as such. It was a large plot of land exclusive to the city's richest family at the time. It was founded in the mid-19th century.
1: Okay, Angel, as much fun as I've had strolling through Bronx neighborhoods with you, I'm pretty sure it's time for us to go. That's our show this week. Thank you all for tuning in to our Go Bronx Pod, produced by the Bronx Tourism Council and made possible by Blue Cross Blue Shield, the whole health company. Additional support is provided by NYC and Company. Mucho thanks to the Van Cortlandt House Museum for inviting us to set up shop here. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoBXPod. If you like us, tell your friends. If they already like us, make some new friends and then tell them. For information about this episode and more, visit ilovethebronx.com. And while you're there, subscribe to our e-newsletter to get the latest and greatest news from and about the Bronx. As always, I'm Olga
0: And I'm Angel. Bronxfully yours.